Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Jan Tate. I've been a member at Christchurch for just over six years, and we're continuing in our theme today about the beautiful community. And today, I want to focus on what it is to be a community of people who are willing to serve one another as Jesus would serve them. So a few weeks ago, I opened the cupboard door where I keep my ironing, and the pile had got very, very high. And so I thought, I'll settle down and watch some TV, some lightweight TV, and um, it'll make it go quicker. <laughs> and I stumbled across this program called The World's Most Expensive Cruise Ship, The Seven Seas Explorer, which I got very drawn into, actually. So much that I saw and heard blew my mind, and I nearly burnt my clothes several times. Suites cost up to £8,000 a night, a night, not a week. The walls were lined with Picasso art, costing millions. There were huge amounts of Italian marble and stone. And the master bedroom bed cost £60,000. How do you have a bed costing that much? £40,000 for the linens and £200,000 for a Steinway piano. And the passengers were assigned a personal butler, and a personal driver for their exclusive use in port. Did anyone see that program? You probably didn't watch such rubbish as me. Anyway, the thing that struck me most, and I think I really did burn a hole in something at that moment, was a comment from a passenger. He said this, if you can demand service from others, you've arrived. <coughs> you see, so many in the world Define greatness in terms of power, possession, how much money you've got, and the service you can demand from others. And as so often is the case, things are upside down in the kingdom of God. Paul tells us in this passage to copy Jesus. I was hoping we'd include, include verse 5 about let's have the same mindset, the same mind that was found in Christ, to think the way he did and to act the way he did. Jesus said himself, I didn't come to serve, I didn't come to be served, but to give my life for many and serve others. And what an example he showed. You see, we can all be good or bad examples of how to do life. And I heard a story um, a few weeks ago of two little boys who were having the most almighty argument. And parents went into the room to separate them. And one little boy said, arguing? We're not arguing, we're just playing mums and dads. <laughs> Nothing is as contagious as the power of example. I love the story in John 13 that, if you're on a pastorate, you will have read recently, where Jesus and his disciples entered a house. And it was the custom for the lowest-ranking slave to wash the feet of people as they entered. I don't know why this happened. Maybe that on the time that Jesus and his disciples turned up, the slave just wasn't there. Or whether Jesus had decided that he was going to do this task to make a teaching point to his disciples. But just imagine their shock and their gasps as Jesus filled up a bowl with water and got a towel and knelt down before them and gently began to wash the feet of each disciple. Such humility. In my last church, at a Women's Day, we reenacted this story of foot washing. But I'm telling you, I cleaned my feet first. 
I found it very moving with people knelt before me and gently washing my feet and praying for me. And then I think of Jesus doing this. They weren't clean feet, dirty toenails, feet that had wandered for hours, covered in dust, and probably quite smelly. (laughs) And reading this story again, it came to me with greater impact just how amazing and radical this event was. And in our passage today, Paul reminds us that the one who stepped down into time, Jesus, the Son of God, Part of the deity, the one who lived in the presence of angels, enjoying the perfection of heaven. The one who was there at the beginning of time, who created the universe and our lovely planet that we live on. Who had all power and all authority, yet he left all of that to be born into poverty. To learn to walk as a little child. To learn to talk. He knew hunger. He was tired. He wept and he felt the anguish of heart and the deep emotions of the human spirit. He felt the pain of the whips on his back as they beat him unmercifully before they drove iron spikes into his hand and nailed him to a cross. He didn't cling on to his equality with God. He emptied himself. Isn't that an incredible phrase? He emptied himself. There was sacrifice in what he left and what he became. He was God who became man in the flesh. So everything was under him, but nothing was beneath him. And Jesus' attitude of servanthood was in direct contrast to that of the disciples who had recently been arguing about who's the greatest, who's the most important. Paul says that we are to have the same mindset that Jesus demonstrated. So what does that look like in our church, our homes, our community, and our workplaces? I thought I'd just try and ask a few questions around that. Why we serve, who we serve, and how we serve. Why we serve. Well, we could get lots of answers, but put simply, I think it's because of love. Why did Jesus step down into the world? It was because of love. God so loved the world. Paul says in Corinthians, we make it our aim or our goal to please him. And let me illustrate that. I've been married to my husband, Chris, for 40 years now. I know a lot about him. I know what his favorite meals are. I know I need to be patient about becoming a cycling widow during the Tour de France. I know that I need to keep quiet when he's watching Formula One, but because of my love for him, I do my best. So we serve out of love that gives. But I think it's important to say we don't always feel that love. Dare I say, we don't always know or even like the people we're serving, but we have that mindset where we are following the example of Jesus and making it our aim to please him. So when Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, I don't think he meant, let's have a lovey-dovey feeling about serving. But we have the mindset of giving sacrificially and looking to others. Because in God's kingdom, it's not about competition or to feel we have to prove ourselves or get people to admire us or prove our status. 
What does love look like? Rick Warren, the Christian pastor and writer, said this, Love means giving up, yielding my preferences, my comfort, my goals, my security, my money, my energy or time for the benefit of someone else. I found those comments very challenging. We have some wonderful examples in, in our church who are involved in BSM and CAP and serving in various ways in the church. I'll just mention one person. I can see his wife here, but I can't see Colin. But I just really want to say that he popped round the other day with a gift because I helped in a really small way at Job Club. But his face was just radiant, saying there have been 100 people at the Job Club who've struggled with lots of different, difficult circumstances and things in their lives. But there were 100 people who went through that course, and out of those, 50 were now in employment or volunteering or doing something very useful. And that brought joy to Colin's heart, and I could see that his motive was absolutely about love. And secondly, who we serve... Paul wrote this to the Galatian church. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So our church community here is a great place to start, to learn to model service before we then take it out into the wider community. And just before Chris and I moved to Woking, a friend of mine reminded me of this verse. I think it's from Ephesians, for we are God's handiwork, <clears throat> created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So as that time came up for us to move here, we were praying, Lord, it might be something completely different that you have for us in Woking, and it has turned out to be completely different, but God had prepared them in advance for us. We just needed to find out what it was. So God has something for each of us. Have you asked him recently, what are the works that you've prepared for me? But Jesus also said something really profound to his disciples in a parable, which takes who we serve to a whole new level. He said this, and he was referring to himself in this parable, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you visited me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And the point of this parable is, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And I wonder if we really grasp that truth. We did it for, you did it for me, for Jesus. How it might change our attitude, especially if it's towards someone we find difficult or someone perhaps we think doesn't deserve our help. You see, it's not just about serving our besties. Jesus washed the feet of Judas and Peter. One would betray him and the other would deny him. And he did it anyway. And we don't have to look outside of our work. Service is a mindset, a way of life. I wonder how many marriages would be saved if there was a mindset of serving each other, or if the places we go to work 
would be better if we had that mindset of serving our colleagues. And this is the teacher in me talking now. How about gathering up all those mugs in the staff room that have been lying around there for weeks and washing them up? <laughs> What we do doesn't have to be big, world-changing or sighting, great if it is, but helping a neighbour in distress or shopping for an elderly person, cooking dinner for someone's ill. For my husband, who's a street angel, it was putting a foil blanket over a homeless man who was asleep under the railway subway. I love this quote, which I've said before when I've preached from Mother Teresa, if you can't feed a hundred people, then just feed one. And finally, just a few comments on how we serve. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever your task may be, work at it heartily as something done for the Lord and not for man. The Pharisees turned helping others and even prayer into a performance. It was like, watch me, aren't I great? Look how much I'm giving. But Jesus humbled himself, he emptied himself. And I can't preach without quoting my favourite author, C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. We can't be true servants if we're full of ourselves. There's a cost to being emptied. And so it's probably worth commenting on the fact that sometimes serving is boring and inconvenient. I help, as many of you do, at a local vaccination centre. And frankly, sometimes the work is really repetitive. A couple of Saturdays ago, I was on the main door and I had to ask about 150 people, good morning, how are you? Do you have a booking? Are you feeling well? And so on. And after 150 times, it got a bit monotonous. But you know what? That was important, really important, being part of a team that are helping to roll out vaccinations. And Jesus specialised in menial tasks that everyone else avoided. Washing feet, making breakfast, looking after children, serving lepers, to name but a few. So here's a challenge. Perhaps instead of saying, I'm looking for a church, a pastorate that can meet my needs and bless me, rather say, I'm looking for a place to serve and be a blessing. And serving can be inconvenient and we can make excuses. One of these days, or when the time is right, or when I've finished decorating the house, there's always a reason why not. But one thing I've come to realise over the years is that Less than perfect service is always better than best intention. So if you take nothing else from the sermon today, I want to challenge you to ask yourself, what is my mindset? I've been asking that myself all week. What is my mindset? What does my week look like? Is it all about me and my friends and my family? Or am I making space for others? So why? We follow the example of Jesus by loving and serving him. Who? We serve. We might have a particular calling, but anyone we serve, it's for Jesus. And how? Wholeheartedly, without show, when it's boring, difficult, or inconvenient. So I'll come back to the start and repeat what the passenger on the cruise ship said. If you can demand service from others, you've arrived. But the truth for us as Christians 
is that we've arrived when we hear those words from Jesus when our lives here on earth have ended. Well done, good and faithful servant. So can we pray together? It's been said that service starts in the mind. We need to be intentional or service won't happen. So perhaps just for a few moments, we could just ask God, how can we be available to him this week to look outwards, to empty ourselves, to be there for those that need us, to follow Jesus?